Hello, I'm Tom Ovens, Creative Director from the agency Shapeby. This is The Changemakers. If you haven't joined us before, a big warm welcome. This is our series with various folks from creative, brand or marketing backgrounds, or anyone and everyone who values the impact of creativity. This week, our guest is Adam Legg, a freelance sound designer that we've had the pleasure of working with across a number of our own projects. From Laceworks product launch of their AI Assist tool, immersive cinematic brand film building drama and atmosphere around their key offering of data security. In this episode of The Changemakers, we're digging a little deeper into the secret art of sound design. What is it? What's the process of creating it? And how do you ensure it's impactful? I hope you enjoy. Thank you very much for joining us today, Adam, and giving us your time. Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Thanks for asking me to come. That's great. Um, Adam, could you start off by just giving us a little bit of definition from your point of view around what, what sound design represents from your perspective uh, and what skill sets that brings together? Yeah, so um, sound design, I think, is a combination of, uh, of real-world um, sound effects. Um, this could be Foley that you've recorded in the field. Um, this could be sound effects you've pulled from various vast libraries you know, um, of sounds and you you often manipulate those sounds, you process those sounds, uh, or you can create sounds completely from scratch using synthesizers or um, uh, hardware, you know, various instruments. There's so many ways you can, um, that you can manipulate and, and, and play around with sound. Um, and it's, for me, uh, it's a kind of a combination of all of those things. I love to keep sounds naturalistic um, and uh, and keep those organic textures, but you could also take it. Um, you could also use uh, you know various ways of processing that um, to make it sound like something you've never heard before. And there, so there's this um, there's this uh, level of discovery that's quite quite exciting about sound design. It's a sort of journey of discovery, if you like. You can manipulate and and uh, and craft. Um, any sound you like. The more you do it, the better you get. So you think, you know, oh, this this could sound like this, and I, I might just, you know, to save on time, if I'm up against it, I might just pull something from a library, and I know exactly what to do to that sound to get it to sound like this, that, and the other. It won't sound exactly like that original sound, um, um, but um, I think that's that's it's it's about having a, a general overview of. Um, uh, um, how you can play around the sound and, um, and how does it fit the visual um, 
Yeah. And and, do, and does it scratch that that itch? You know that music itch because I I know that from some of our work together, uh, one one of our clients, I think they were, they said that it had kind of James Blake vibes and things. So, uh, you know, does that kind of feedback does that does that help scratch that itch of that kind of music passion within you and and like wanting to fulfil that aspect yeah, of absolutely. your work? Absolutely. Yeah. It's um yeah very much so. Um, that's that's that was really nice feedback actually. Um, it's it's I think. I think anywhere, you know, any excuse to just play around with synthesizers and instruments for a living is, is brilliant. It's, it's kind of hard to believe it's, I've finally got there. I think I was always looking for that route, but it just took a long time. And, um, and uh, yeah, it does scratch that itch. I've, so I sort of, I feel like, uh, um, you know, it, the musical side of it, because there are two sides, sound design, you could argue is a different world, but they do kind of coexist and they do cross over as well, you know. Um, but the sound design, uh, uh, I'd say, was slightly more technical, um, whereas um, music for me is more based on sort of feeling, you know, and like how do I how do I convey that? How, how do I want to express myself? And, and what what should this sound like? Um, so it's kind of it's two different processes really and then then joining them together is quite fun it's like sort of piecing a puzzle together you know Um, and it's always a challenge it's always new I've never you know it's it's never I never like to use the same same sounds too much because it just gets a bit boring I think otherwise it's uh, it's nice to yeah keep keep an open mind Dive a bit into your process and things like that. Could you could you start by telling us just um, you know typically how do you start a, a, a project? Um, you know, do you have sort of certain certain processes you go through, or is each one unique? It'd be great just to hear from your perspective how you how you typically start out. Yeah, it's um, I think I think every uh, uh, brief is is unique. Um, it's uh, a lot of the time if there are references from the client that that certainly helps. Um, it's great to have. Um, you know, sort of free reign, full creative license, if you like. Um, that's that's great um, because I can take it in any direction I like, and that's all. But you can it, it can be problematic because you can, um, if you're not collaborating, you can go off piste, and it, it's quite a subjective thing. Music is a subjective medium, so if you don't get it spot on, or it's not quite what the client was expecting. You know, you could have sort of set yourself up to fail sometimes. So um, I think it's always great to um, sort of draw an inspiration from, you know, a couple of references that the client might have pulled out. And then from there, you can kind of, um, it might be a case of matching the tempo or the, the characteristics of that sound and, uh, and then putting your own spin on it, you know. So do you typically start with the music component of it, which which determines like the tempo and the speed and things like that, and then and then you kind of look to layer on top the the kind of the sound effects or some of the, the more of the storytelling specifics? Because I think what I love about the you know the work that we, we we've been exposed to with you so far is that the kind of the layering that you do, you know, so it's got this really nice cinematic atmospheric kind of background sound that kind of helps support the narrative and takes you through that journey but then the little embellishments as you go along that kind of take you through that kind of roller coaster and as you say I, I can imagine that without without some direction because it's such an emotive component of the the finished solution that as you say you, unless you're on the same page as where the client or you know whoever you're working with at the time um obviously they, they have a kind of quite a gut reaction to it I imagine don't they in terms of whether they, it conveys the same feeling as they'd anticipated. Sure. 
Um, I think it can vary. Um, uh, I like, I think I prefer to start with music because the music um, takes center stage, if you like. It's, um, it's probably the most impactful part of it. And, uh, and it also, um, it takes the longest as well. So there's always a, you know, on the back of my mind, you, you have to weigh up how much time do I have? How creative can I be? Um, you know, you're always confined by that. And, and that's something you learn with time as well is, um, how, how long these things take. Um, cause you know, you get given two days, but you could, you could theoretically spend a week, two weeks on a project, you know, you'd never put it down. Um, and just have fun with it. It could, it could end up sounding completely different. So there's this, it's, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I think I'd, I would start with the music, uh, predominantly, and then I would, um, and then I would look at, uh, a little bit like TV editing. So you look at a show and you've got like spot effects, you've got things that are quite obvious, you know, anything, anything that has motion, um, uh, um, Things with lots of moving animation with lots of moving parts lends itself quite well to sound design, obviously, because it's, there's a lot of movement there. Um, that's not to say that you know you have something that's that's quite still um, or quite minimalist, if you like. Uh, that's a challenge in itself. That could be quite fun turning that into a um, to a piece. But it's uh, I think yeah, the the sound design would come after in terms of the what I think something should sound like um, in terms of the effects. And, and then it's a case of blending the music and the effects together. And that in itself is, is a whole other stage because you find yourself stripping back the music then. And like I sort of mentioned before, like a bit of a puzzle. Um, and, uh, and then making sure that there's space in the mix for everything. So it's all audible is another skill in itself. It's just, it's just making, you know, it's like mastering um, a track, making sure that everything's balanced. Um, I think, but yeah, I think, I think to answer the original question, music first, uh, and then sound design. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then you, you may have answered this already, but do you tend to work from a library of tracks? So when I say library of tracks, is it, you know, your music that you've composed beforehand that you kind of keep, you know, ready, ready for a certain moment, or do you tend to start from scratch? Um, each time I, I just kind of wondered, you know, do you kind of keep a back catalogue of your own work that you can reference as you need to, or is it, is it much more bespoke on a, on a case by case scenario as such? Um, I, I would say that I very rarely, um, keep libraries of my own sounds, um, just because, uh, it takes time to catalogue all these things and, and it kind of, I think it would constrict me creatively. I do like to start from scratch, if you like, every project with a blank canvas. I have, I have lots of libraries of sounds, you know, and there's, there's, there's countless royalty free, you know, samples online that you can, that you can draw from, from music as well. I like to write my own music, but you know, things like um, vocal samples, for example, that's, that's something that's quite difficult to create. So I would look, use a, maybe use a sample pack and just, uh, and you know, draw sort of certain things from that. But um, I think uh, I do, it's a combination of both, but um, I much prefer to just write my own thing. Yeah, and, and start from scratch. It's much more fun that way, I think. It's much more um, creative. Um, 
Yeah, I was I was wondering, you know, you mentioned earlier about the time constraints and things like that. That that to me seems quite daunting, you know, particularly in some of the projects we've been involved in where the timings are really, really tight. You know, to actually just set out on a bespoke music journey as such in the time frames. But yeah, that's that's fantastic to hear. It's it's, it's such a bespoke solution then that you that you come up with and no wonder we enjoy your work so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's the time the time management is such a huge part of it. I think when I, that sort of when I started out in T V editing I did lots of promos, short form content, um, like Travel Channel and Food Network and Discovery Channel and all these Nickelodeon. And they're all these kind of very far, they're given, given in like an hour, you know, to mix and edit something, throw a few sound effects in and just churns out. And you've got to do like five or six of these maybe a day with all with different clients. They all come in and, and pitch and have a look. And like, it was fun. It was really intense. But, um, but that kind of taught me you have to be quick. You have to be quick at editing. And so, you know, if I do get given a project and it's a blank canvas, I'll throw everything at it. You know, it's like, and then, and then strip it back after. I just waste no time just trying to, um, I think I work better creatively like that as well um, with music. Yeah. So do you have kind of heroes as such, sound design heroes or, you know, those that you follow and feel that are doing it really well or, you know, kind of smashing the industry as such. Are there those that you kind of, you know, in those projects where perhaps you can't, you know, it might be a bit of a stagnant start. Do you have the resources you go to to just be inspired and, and to just kind of get those wheels in motion in your in your creative mind? I'm more drawn to um, individuals I might find on Instagram, if you like, or pop up my feed. Um, there's some people out there that just, you know, they'll, they'll recreate um They'll, they'll recreate, recreate a scene from a film or they'll they'll create their own animation there's there's this instagram account uh, called unknown sources and they effectively use um they create visual visuals with uh touch designer i don't know if you've heard of touch designer so it's like sort of reactive it's they, they, when they do the when they make the audio and they craft the audio around the visuals it kind of reacts to um the, the visual in a live sense. Um, I worked with an artist, um, a French artist called Myotic, who uh, had a had an exhibition, and he basically wanted it was all it was all just um, completely generative and random, um, and it's just beautiful uh, visuals that were supposed to um, uh, uh, portray states of matter, so sort of gas, water, solid, and um it was great and he just wanted me to like throw some sounds on there um and then he was talking about you know um how do we randomize that how do we keep those sounds but in, in not, not in a linear way and sort of randomly generate them using various uh you know touch designer and ableton and, and lots of uh, different types of programs that was something that's quite new to me i don't know a lot a great deal about it but it's something i'm quite keen to explore certainly um but yeah, like sort of going back to your original, you know, I think I I like seeing people work with that um, um, because I think that it, the sound is just um, completely different to anything I'd ever heard of before. You know, it's um, uh, and it's it's so. I think I'm always drawn to something that sounds very glitchy and sort of Aphex Twin like, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know, just something that's quite complex quite complex yeah. lots of moving parts i guess that that impresses me because um i always think oh, how, how would i create that how would i do that and it gets my brain going whereas 
if I see something with a few wishes on, it can be quite uninspiring. You know, <laughs> I try, I try and stay away from wishes as much as possible. <laughs> I'll remember that next time we provide feedback. <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing you mentioned Apex Twin actually because uh, yeah I, I I love Apex Twin. I I, I grew up with him when I did my um my uni degree. I quite often used his his music in in some of the pieces I was working with and things like that. And you know just some of it I liked just because it was quite controversial. You know so uh, I think is it come to daddy the music video for that is so outrageous and then the way that the sound layers on to onto that video is is, is so epic um and then his you know he's got some some quieter pieces like uh i don't know how you say avril 14th the piano piece you know the yeah. spectrum of his work is phenomenal mm. and and what he goes through and yeah I, I drew a lot of inspiration when i was at uni actually from from him so it's interesting that yeah you, you mentioned yeah. him um yeah i love the fact that it varies a lot of his heavier stuff obviously is like an assault on the senses i went to go see him in in bristol last year and um at the Ford Fest, and it was unbelievable. It was it was like I'd just been in a washing machine for about two hours. <laughs> there was there was no hello, there was no bye. It was just go, and it was relentless. There was no, it was it was like he was toying with the crowd. It was, but but from a sonic, I mean, my partner was you know was ready to go, but from a sonic perspective, it was probably the most incredible thing I'd ever heard in my life. I'm sure there's so many layers to his music that I can't appreciate at all that that, that, that you take from it. But yeah, I, 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 you know, I mentioned the spectrum. I, I do think he's got ones that you can appreciate his music. Some I think you can appreciate technical ability within, and then some I think you know it sort of feels like he's challenging the audience to a certain degree. Like some of it, I almost equate to being like uh, in an MRI machine where it's just kind of random electronic noises happening type thing. But I'm sure he's very constructive in in the way he puts those together. But to to me as a as a layman audience as such, you know, it's, it's actually just the challenge of, of, um, yeah, understanding what he's trying to communicate in that, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it, but he does, obviously he does like beautiful ambient music as well, doesn't he? He's just, this, this, this lovely, slow. Yeah. That's what's phenomenal about the, the, the depth that he's got. Yeah. Um, are there any brands in particular that you think are, are doing it well? I, I, there's a, there's a few that kind of, stood out to me when I was when I was preparing for this kind of conversation and things and you know I, I've got a particular passion for kind of advertising so a lot of mine kind of fall in that advertising space but you know Honda for example I think they've done some really nice pieces over the years and there's one that they they did uh versus uh with man versus machine it's called keep up I don't know if you've seen it it's a it's an insanely rapid transition of of music with text on screen and, and cars in, in, in movement. And I just think that the whole piece comes together so, so well, but really built off the strengths of their, their cog ads and um, hate something, change something. And to me, the storytelling and the music came together so well. So that one in particular always resonated. To me, the storytelling and the music came together so well. So that one in particular always resonated. I wonder if you, if there's any that are kind of on your radar that that you feel are doing it really well. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know necessarily um, if, I could, if I could name any specific brands, um, but uh, uh, 
I have seen that Honda ad, I think the one you mentioned. And I think, I think that, uh, yeah, that is a classic example of how the sound is really driving that, like that's, um, that is, uh, at the front of that mix. And it's, it's, um, the way that the text and sound, um, are linked in that, you know, it sort of tells the whole, it tells the whole story. It's so clever. It's intertwined. So I think for the longest time, um, people, they don't really value the sound it can be an afterthought so it's nice when it's um it's used from the from the start you know from the start process and it's 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 not overlooked um because of the potential for the impact it can have on the viewer it's it's just it's next level if you if you include that um is there is there scope in a way to be able to start the process with with sound more so i think we've always been conscious of like setting out some of the timings and the motion to enable you the same to kind of then accompany that but is there a space where the two can kind of run in parallel with one another or perhaps the same can lead more of the conversation between them yeah I, I, I certainly think so i think it's um uh i think it's sound is very impactful um when done right and um uh, I, i've worked on projects where well I, I i've collaborated with um uh, with an artist where I would write the music and he would put the visuals to my music, which was interesting doing it that way, that way around. Um, because normally the sound is the last um, link in the chain, if you like, with the production finishing process. So it was, it was quite nice and refreshing to do it like that. Um, and also with the sort of the mentioned audio reactive stuff with touch designer at the moment, that's, that's also something which um, changes the, changes the production um, uh, uh, sort of order, if you like. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, I, I, I think that sometimes it can benefit, you know, it's, it's certainly worth collaborating with the client in a very early stage um, and not leaving it too long. Um, if, if, you wanted a, if you wanted an original score or um, some bespoke sound design, it certainly helps to include um, include the and mix of composer from an early stage. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, uh, there's definitely scope for that. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Adam. thank you very much. And then I think last one for me, one thing I find as a, as a kind of designer and creative is that yeah, I find it very difficult to kind of switch off from that world. And so I'm kind of always on the lookout for, you know, typefaces, colorways, like storytelling, creative communications, how things are kind of coming together. Do you, do you find it similar from, from your discipline? Like, do you find that you can never switch off? So when you're, you know, watching the films or, or TV or even just on socials and things like that, that you're kind of micro analyzing the things that you see and, and sort of taking learnings and savings and bookmarking items. And yeah, it just, it becomes an obsessive part. It's, uh, it's film, you know, film scores is a huge inspiration for me. Um, I'm, I've always been drawn to um, scores that have, uh, a combination of like orchestra, like orchestration, but with uh, contemporary electronic elements, because um, it's uh, it sounds familiar, but it's also completely new, and uh, that's quite exciting. I think um, there was a, a composer. I mean, there was Johan Johansson. Uh, he was an Icelandic composer. I believe he he, he uh, passed away in, in like 2018. Actually, he was he was quite young, sort of mid 40s. But he, he, he scored um, uh, Sicario. I remember that was one of the scores that uh, really connected with me. It was very, very sort of um, slow and dark, 
Rudy score, and it was it just moved at its own its own pace, and it was just very impactful. It really it really connected with me. I just think I always I always if I'm watching something, it could be just two seconds of of, of music or sound, and and um, it'll you know it'll it'll really connect with me. I sort of get quite excited. I'm like, how can I how can I make that myself? How can I do that? Um, so yeah, film music is a big one for me. Um, that's the thing of uh, one of my earliest um, favorite composer, composers was Thomas Newman actually. Um, uh, he did the Shawshank Redemption. He's done he's done a bunch of stuff, but um, he uh, he was quite unique in the way that he he wrote music. He he drew on um, colors. Uh, he always um, he looked at the picture and he he imagined a color. And then he would um, play around with that in his mind. If that makes sense. And he, would, you know, um, if if it was blue, if you like, it would be keep it light and and playful. So I just always thought it was interesting how different people um, uh, write music that way, and they get inspired. So I went off on a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> I was actually thinking. I'm sure I, I might be making this up. I'm sure I read that Quentin Tarantino actually starts his process by. Um, sourcing the the music first like I, i'm pretty sure that as he starts to build out the scenes in his mind and, and initial annotations of them his first part of the call is is to find the accompanying music and then build the scene around that as well so yeah it's interesting you speaking about process and how people come to it because yeah um i think that does make a big difference yeah you, you touched on some some heroes there yeah shikari has got a, a great soundtrack from memory i think there's some real kind of like otherworldly kind of just deep bass, bass kind of atmospheric drone sounds at times to just allude to the threat that they're they're kind of experiencing within that context if i remember it correctly but yes yeah it was these big swells these big kind of horns I and mean, it's kind of been you know hans zimmer's done it a million times now it's almost become a bit of a joke hasn't it these big kind of horn swells and it's almost like a bit of a parody now you can't really get away with it but at the time it was it was it was like um, a very dark Zimmer score to me. I don't know if that makes sense. So I just thought it was really interesting, um, and it was quite bold. I think at the time, I hadn't heard anything like it. It always stuck out to me. Okay, so yeah, just wanted to, to wrap up and say uh, thank you very much, Adam, for the, the time today. I find it a fascinating conversation, and you know, hearing what inspires you, a bit about your process, etc. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time, and I really look forward to continue working together. On our, on our various strands of work and, and, and pushing the boundaries and what we can do together. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it.